Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In the peaceful town of Cloverdale... Dr. Stephen Finch was Mr. Christmas. This is a busy time of year, so we have to have a game plan. All must sing caroling requests to be submitted in writing. Until the competition moved in. Who moves in the middle of the night? I'm Buddy Hall. We just moved in across the street. These are my babies. Can I live here? <laughs> Daddy, come look. You can see every house in the country from space. Where's our house? You can't see our house. <laughs> Hello, Patreon pals, and welcome to the worst idea of all time, Patreon Pal Treehouse Christmas Season um, Edition 1. That's what we're calling this, Monty. It's a catchy name. Unmissable. (laughs) It's really going to take off, I think. The kids are all about it. Hey, happy Thanksgiving is what I would say if we were recording on Thanksgiving, which we are. Happy Thanksgiving, guy. Uh, yeah, and happy Thanksgiving to you too, Tim. Uh, on this on this day, I am thankful for you and our friendship. I'm thankful for that too. We have not been uh, chatting very much at all recently, and it's made me oh so sad. I've missed your baritone um, and your words of wisdom and your kindness, and uh, I can't wait to get you back in my country, which I own. New Zealand. That's right. Aotearoa. I understand that there have been some huge legislative changes since I left. And uh, you now rule the land with an iron yes. fist. That's right. That's why you're coming back, because I have uh, used all of the military and diplomatic powers at my disposal to reach my giant international hand, plucking you from New York City in your apartment and bringing you back here like some sort of friendship extradition. Well, it's a, a very exciting uh, time, and I imagine very scary for those. <laughs> very scary. <laughs> They're not living. happy about it. Yeah. I've got a glint in my eye, and now I am <laughs> empowered beyond my wildest dreams. It truly is a Christmas miracle. You hate to hear about it. Um, sp- <laughs> speaking of Christmas miracles, yes. I, uh, as always was not really involved in the decision-making process, not even the vetting of the films uh, that would be up for display or or screening. And Mm. um, I had a pretty big night last night, Tim. I uh, met with our friend Colin Burgess. Beautiful comedian, uh, filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All-round good guy. And um, we had... Now, if you'll recall, when you visited New York, for the Worst Idea Tour earlier this year, we bought... Well, you actually were in the middle of reading How to Change Your Mind and were very invested in um, 
soliciting and uh, inhaling some psychedelics. And you bought a bag of mushrooms, of which we both ate one each, and they were as strong a mushroom as I can remember having. Mm. Um, And anyway, since I've come back, there's still a bag just chock-a-block full of these things in the freezer at home. So Colin and I uh, had a little dinner. Uh, We added a little garnish, and we had a hell of a night. Um laughing and uh you know solving all the ills of the world that rolled uh, off. deep into this morning we were up till 4 mm. four thirty a.m i was showing him the uh youtube comedy stylings of that guy or lee hart new zealand's greatest export all of this to say that um i fell asleep and did not wake up until the last fucking moment and <laughs> I had no, I'd done no research on the film, so what a delight it was to hit play on uh, Deck the Halls, the 2006 holiday film led by uh, Danny DeVito and Matthew yes. Broderick. Yes, and he's, there's a lot of cars in this movie. There's a lot of Matthew Broderick driving in cars. Hey, before we get into that, though, um, I too sort of got into the holiday season by going to my wife's Christmas uh, work do and then uh, coming home at about 11.30pm a few sheets to the wind and uh, putting half of this movie in front of my face falling asleep in a drunken stupor and then having to rouse myself at 6.30 anti-meridium to finish off this little 92 minute Christmas oh. gem so you hate to hear it but I did it I'm a hard worker I'm dedicated to the cause and um, just a heads up, I can't even remember if this got votes on Patreon, but I kind of just got this um, blast of inspiration that we should, because we've been a little tardy in getting our, our content out there on Patreon, that is, is a sort of, uh, um, by way of apology, I've suggested we do four shitty Christmas movies in a row for the month of sort of late November going into Christmas. So that's what we'll be doing. And this was our first one, Deck the Halls, as Guy mentioned, uh, Danny DeVito, Matthew Broderick, the twin Christens. Uh, uh, what did you say? Sorry, the twin... Christens. The twin Christens. Yes, Davis and Chenoweth. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is like even just absorbing the cast of this movie, uh, the people who have been roped in, the roles they've been given in, the decisions they've made within those roles. Like to see Matthew Broderick <laughs> married to, I know that it's Kristen Davis performing as a, a, a character called Kelly Finch, but essentially married to Charlotte. Like, Kristen yes. Davis, to my eyes, has one gear and one gear only, and that is Charlotte. And mm. I, I'm on the record as getting pretty frustrated by Charlotte, although I found, uh, I found her to be a pretty sort of, a pretty strong anchor in this movie. I felt like she was probably the the reality to which the rest of these uh satellites could revolve around i think that's true but she also was just charlotte again hey like it was the exact same character a hundred percent um and yeah so to see her married to sarah jessica parker's husband matthew broderick who was let loose on three different types of or three different vehicles two different types of vehicle um, Are you counting the skates, the ice skates? Oh, no, I'm not counting the ice skates. Uh, as far as I know, 
he doesn't have a tra- uh, sort of a tarnished track record of. <laughs> um, we're not going to drill into that yet. But while we're talking about Kristen Davis being married to Matthew Broderick guy, um, can I read you a little piece of trivia from IMDb? I wish you would. On a 22nd of November 2006 interview on ABC's Live with Kelly, Kristen Davis confessed that she had been nervous being cast as the wife of Matthew Broderick, the real-life husband of close friend Sarah Jessica Parker. She said she received approval via email from Parker, however, not before a rewrite of the script added what Davis termed a playful kissing scene between her and Broderick. Apparently, according to Davis, in her opinion, the scene was filmed the scene as filmed was too steamy for the movie to keep a PG rating and would have been cut from the final print. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So uh SJP got wind of some sort of on on camera tomfoolery between her husband and her frenemy. And I'm trying to pass the the sort of tenses in this bit of IMDb trivia. I think SJP approved them being married on fit, which firstly, everyone in this situation is an actor and an adult, and it seems insane to me that you would have to seek the written permission of someone to be in a movie with someone else. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't... like the kissing scene came after that. It doesn't reek of security and, uh, you know, good humour and connection, does it? No, sir. Um, Which surprises me because I kind of, I wouldn't have um, assumed that SJP was that, you know, crazy, insecure, childish. I I know, and this is very reductive and sort of, uh, you know, quite a, a, a ludicrous view of the world. But just in terms of perception... At this, just tracking their careers at this point to me it feels like Broderick's the one who's done well for himself he's hanging on to that relationship for dear life you know absolutely <laughs> he doesn't want yeah. to he doesn't want to jeopardize that um so to my eyes I'm like SJP's got nothing to worry about can you imagine Matthew Broderick sending written permission to whoever is playing Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker's on screen to big to Chris, to Chris North <laughs> <laughs> like hearing that he's reprising the role for Sex in the City 2 and saying, hey, Chris, permission granted again. <laughs> See, it, don't, this, it doesn't hold any water, this logic, which does make me question the story a little bit, but it's very funny. But the fact that they've got like a specific date on ABC's Live with Kelly suggests to me that this is a real verifiable fact. It just I- seems insane. I've got another fact for you later on in this podcast, guy, that is going to blow your fucking socks off. So I just want you to get prepared for that. Okay. I'm very excited. Yeah. So basically, uh, Deck the Halls is the Two Bad Neighbors episode of The Simpsons where the Bush family move in next door to The Simpsons, uh, played out over 90 minutes and set at Christmas. Yeah. Um, Um, with, With a confusing... Uh, array of stars who are all like I am not a Matthew Broderick fan of anything post Ferris Bueller and this is no exception but everyone else in this is like a good and funny and talented actor um Alia uh Shawkat how do you say Shawkat who is maybe from Arrested Development is um the daughter in this and uh what a delight to see her really underutilized 
But then yeah. everyone was. She's not given a lot to do. Danny DeVito is such a... I don't know what the meaning of the word is, actually, so I probably shouldn't use it. Scouse? Scouse? As a, in, like, the kind of British person? Is that what it is? A scouser? What's a scouser? Definition I think it's of someone from, a, from, like... I don't know if it's Manchester or what. Oh, it's from and a they, particular... Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's Liverpool. Well, he's not a scouse. He's not from Liverpool, England. But he's just... He's a scamp, I think, is what I'm going for. Like, a he's scamp. just... It's he's he really does get typecast quite a lot, and it's a role that he thrives in. Even in like a pretty, uh, you know, low end Christmas movie, he is honestly mm. always so much fun to see on screen. And like, totally, he just plays these you know these eccentric little screwballs who have got a pretty lenient moral compass. And um, so yeah, Matthew Broderick's this uppity uh, optometrist who's trying to you know, instill good Christmas Christian family values in his family, trying to have very down-the-line Christmas. And then this oddball neighbor, Danny DeVito, moves in with his wife, played by Kristen uh, Chenoweth. And they're... Um, I don't think I'm out of line in saying they're sexy twin daughters. Like, the movie puts a yeah. lot of emphasis on the idea that these daughters are very sexy. Absolutely, yeah. And sort of uh, competitive hijinks and one-upmanship um what's the word yeah. i'm looking for follow and sue that's the, exactly the word the, um the entire plot of this centers around the fact that danny devito's character <laughs> becomes obsessed with the idea of making his house visible from space through yeah. the magic of christmas lights and putting on a lights display much to the chagrin of Matthew Broderick's character who has to suffer through this light pollution as his neighbor and that's that's honestly the film that is what it's all about yeah. and there's these several like big set there's about six big set pieces it's like an attempt at doing a die hard movie but just without the budget or talent or without it being an action movie it's it's really um it was quite a strange film one of the strangest things is when I the first thing that struck me when I googled it is the ratings for this film are all over the map like it's got a 6% on rotten tomatoes but it's got a 5 out of 10 on imdb but then 84% of users on google liked the film uh so d- can I say, can I say like the rot- the Rotten Tomatoes reviews because I did sort of I skim read uh, what you know the critical consensus was I think I went on the Wikipedia and checked out what people were saying and I yeah. feel like even though obviously bad movies had been made by two thousand six it almost seems naive or short sighted the vitriol people tried to pour on this movie in two thousand six I feel like they mm. should have saved for movies that were still to be released because I look back at, or at least through the lens of the bad movies I've had to sit through. I thought it was like pretty fu- pretty harmless fun. Yeah, man, I'm with you. I, I'm gonna read a um, a review, if I may, from uh, uh, Ebert's Offsider. How do you say his name? Is it Ro- Roper? Roper, yeah, Richard Roper, I think. Roper. Yeah, um, and, but you're absolutely right, guy. I mean, obviously. Timbo and Guy Guy's lens for film critique is a little bit skewed from the norm, but I really don't think this deserved the hate that it got, even though it was a bad movie. However, this review is sensationally well written, so here's Roper's (laughs) uh, thoughts on the matter. You cannot believe how excruciatingly awful this movie is. 
it is bad in a way that will cause unfortunate viewers to huddle in the lobby afterward, hugging in small groups, consoling one another with the knowledge that it's over. It's over. Thank God it's over. (laughs) Compared to the honest hard labor performed by tens of millions of Americans every day, a film critic's job is like winning a lottery ticket. But there is work involved, and it can be painful. And the next time someone tells me I have the best job in the world, I'm going to grab them by the ear, fourth grade teacher in 1966 style, and drag them to see Deck the Halls. Yeah, I I enjoy anyone, you know, with articulate scorn being poured on something. But I, like, it's, the movie's fine. There's not a lot at stake. Like, no. like like you say, Danny DeVito becomes obsessed with it. It's called We Earth or something. Like It's Google Maps, so it's in 2006. Yeah. His, da- his sexy daughters introduce him to Google Maps. He wants to look at his house. He can't. Matthew Broderick's house <laughs> is on the map. Like It seems yeah. to me the technology is insane that this one place wouldn't be. If they've got satellites everywhere, it's not like he's you know beneath trees at the end of a long driveway. He's in it a, doesn't make any logical sense because why is Matthew Broderick's house visible? But then the solve is I'm going to put light because obviously what that suggests then is the satellite imagery is like old. You know how they have to do a pass every whatever six months to update the photos. Yeah. Why would chucking lights on your house speed that? Pr- like he's mixed two ideas in this movie. <laughs> and by he, I'm talking about the guy who wrote and directed it, whose uh, name is unknown to me at it this was, time. No, it's. There were three writers, Matt Corman, Chris Ord, and Don Reimer, which I remember oh. even before the movie started, I remember when I was watching you know, the opening scene in credits and it said, written by, and had three names. And they maybe had already made one joke that I thought was bad. I was like, you think if there's three of you in the room, <laughs> one of you would push you to do a little better? Or, I mean, if they're smart... Um, it's a 92-minute film. Everyone's got to write 30 pages each. Yeah. And everyone gets a third of a check. I mean, they, yeah. It, it, I, it, it feels like maybe they took a big set, like two set pieces each, and then maybe brainstormed the connective tissue between them. I think you could be right. Um, I'll tell you who I liked, and that's Christian Chenoweth. Uh, and I've always got, I will always have a soft spot for Christian Chenoweth. What's she best um, known for, for for performing in? I think Frozen. Um, I think she's the. I've knew, have you seen Frozen? Because you've you've actually um, got some FaceTime with a an age appropriate audience member for that. But I, I don't have any like children in my life. I've not seen Frozen. I'm on her. I'm on her IMDb now, and she's not. Is in it Frozen? Frozen? No. Oh shit! Okay, so I'm thinking of Adina Menzel because Christian Chenoweth is the original. Um, original Broadway casts and uh, Wicked of Glenda the Good. That was kind of her big breakout role. She was oh, a famous okay. actor and Broadway star before that, but that really launched her into the and, stratosphere. And to, in more current and animated uh, terms, she's the voice of Vanessa Gecko on BoJack Horseman. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, She's fantastic. She's such a ball of light. And if you ever like need to cheer yourself up, just look up some interviews of her uh, on chat shows and stuff. She, I've got a weird memory that she's about 50% of the time, she seems like half cut. And she's just always really happy to be there. Very engaging and chatty. And she just like, this script is pretty dog shit. 
And I think everyone bar Matthew Broderick does a fabulous job of just just digging in. They're like, well, we're here. Let's make it work. And tell me what you thought about Matthew Broderick's performance. Um, Wooden. It was as if you gave him control of a car and he like accidentally created some sort of horrific accident that vastly impacted other people's lives. And it wasn't necessarily his fault, but it was from some sort of careless act of not being good enough at acting or driving in this analogy. It's um, funny that he caused it's irreparable funny harm. You should draw that metaphor, Tim, because on August 5, 1987... We, we, will, we will, talk, will talk about that later. We won't talk about it now. But it was weird seeing uh, Kristen Davis in there, like, as Charlotte, but out of the Sex and the City universe. Because yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anything that she's in that isn't well, Sex and the City. So analogous was her performance as uh, Kelly Finch, Matthew Broderick's wife with who she's as Charlotte, you could almost entertain the idea that when Charlotte is not with Runkle and the gals, she might be leading a double life in Massachusetts. Oh, I like this. Um, you know, like she, she, I don't know if she's from New York, but she could come from a small town in Massachusetts and she's leading a double life. She wants to enjoy, you know, the, the cynicism and the high-end, bougie lifestyle of uh, being an art gallerist in New York City, you know, a bachelorette amongst three great bachelorettes, while also enjoying the homely comforts of <laughs> a large suburban home and a button-down husband. How dare husband. you call Matthew Broderick homely? He is a boyishly handsome man. He's homely. He's like, he... It's al- it almost makes you... Like, his character's pretty unlikable on this, even though he's meant to be this straight man who we all root for, and Danny DeVito's meant to be this sort of screw... Like, this, I guess, lovable screwball. They're both meant to be somewhat likable. That, was, that, was that your read on it? He's just so unlikable. Eh? I know. I'm he's, sorry, but Matthew Broderick is so uncharismatic on film. It's insane. Yeah, it was crazy. And watching it, I was like, it's almost like you want to see him play a villain, like... Uh, yes, uh, you I, you want to see him get cast in a role where it's like he can dine out on that you know that uh, faux affability or whatever that faux everyman yeah. quality, and then like I would love to see him play some sort of full blown sociopath in a a, a, a high end Oscar bait style film because I think he's got an incredible performance as a genuine bad guy inside of him. It was like when they did Paddington 2 and everyone is used to seeing Hugh Grant as this sort of object of um, foppish affection in all these British rom-coms. And then they fucking gave him this really cool, amazing... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Amazingly well-written kids movie, and they were like, you're the baddie. And he just fucking went to town on it. And you ask anyone, himself included, that was Hugh Grant's greatest ever role in cinema. Yeah, yeah. being the bear guy in Paddington 2. I reckon Matthew Broderick has one of those I, in him, I, but no, someone needs no, to give him the I role. I think, I think, um, because that 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 crook still had charisma. Like Hugh Grant exudes charisma in a way that Broderick doesn't. I would rather see him in like a Robin Williams one-hour photo style role, like oh, genuinely, uh, somewhat on the more harrowing end of villains. Uh, what if they um, do Joker 2 and it's Matthew Broderick? Yeah, but no, because the, the Joker's sort of, you know, this outlier, this outsider, this kind of freak. Where Like, I, I want to see him terrifying from the inside out. Like, I want to see him living his fucking button-down optometrist life. And instead of oh, yeah. everyone sort of believing or abiding the idea that he's a good guy while he goes through the motions of being quite a domineering patriarch in his family... I want to see, you know, his behavior tear the family apart, not have the family put back together. Like, I just think that there's a performance in him here that we're not we're not getting in this movie. This is a different movie, but we're not getting out of his, you know, the later stages of his career that I'd mm. really like to see. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, you're definitely right, and it, I hope he finds it. It's so insane to me, and this is not the first time I've said this on, on this podcast series, but it is crazy to me that Matthew Broderick just knocked it out of the park so early in his career and was never able to recapture that lightning in a bottle that he achieved in Ferris Bueller. Because he is so charismatic in that movie, and I think he made it when he was about like 17 or something. He was the star of that. Yeah. Um, and he just has never gotten back there. I d it's, I mean... I don't know if something changed in his life. I don't know if there was sort of some weird event that brought a lot of darkness into his psyche or what, but it was, it was well, like something has sort of changed. It is crazy you say that because Ferris Bueller came out in 1986 and then on August mm-hmm. 5, 1987. Oh, uh, I, I know what you're going to say and we, we'll get to that later. But can I read you the thing that I promised I was going to tell you before that's going to blow your socks off? Yeah. So um, let me go back to the cast list and figure out who this is. Okay, d- do you know who Goethe was? Gillian Vigman? I think she was the wife of Fred Armisen, who, uh, by the way, is in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, playing uh, a very sort of... Uh, <laughs> what's the... Clichéd German... Yeah. Or, you know... He's... Good good paycheck job for him. Yeah, Turn yeah. up, maybe two days shooting, say um, a couple funny lines in a foreign accent. But yeah, I did. I I, I thought I assumed because I recognised him that you know they usually cast comedic actors in pairs, but I did not recognise Goethe, the, whoever the actor was who was playing Goethe. So this is um, Gillian Vigman, who um, I, I'll have to apologise for not knowing who she is. But here is some trivia according to the Deck the Halls 2006 IMDb page. 
According to Gillian Vigman, the main actors were unhappy on set. Kristen Chenoweth was still coping with her split from Aaron Sorkin. Danny DeVito flew in to film his scenes rather than interact with anyone. And Matthew Broderick could be found on set shaking his head in disbelief, repeatedly saying, I've hit rock bottom. <laughs> what? No. What? I shit thee nay. That is what it says. There's one more line in this bit of trivia. Kristen Davis told her that she should have her eggs frozen. I don't know why that's in that bit of trivia, but to just the mental picture that is created from this one nugget, this one paragraph of IMDb trivia is it's like a scene from Apocalypse Now where the camera is panning and I'm just like, (laughs) I'm seeing Christian Chen with poor thing sobbing in the corner just thinking about this this marriage that hasn't worked out for her danny devito meanwhile is flying in in a helicopter you know war zone yeah. style so he doesn't have to fucking make eye contact or small talk with any of these offsiders involved in this fucking disaster of the film which did not make its money back by the way and meanwhile matthew broderick just absolutely shell-shocked like some sort of soldier who has seen the most immoral acts man can create shaking his head saying out loud i've hit rock bottom like yeah that dude was in rat race he's done some shit he for was, him to say i've hit rock bottom he wasn't in rat race he rat race wasn't he no 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 and rat race was all right do you know you uh, if uh, to guess what am i thinking of you might be What's thinking of with- brick and mayer nah i've not seen that i'm hey, thinking no. of some movie where there's cars and they're like on a race and all the cars are shitty they're like little v-dub wacky races is there yeah, a live-action Wacky know. Races? Because there should be. Not sure, but there should be. Do you reckon he could be good as... Um, what's his name with the moustache? Dick Darcy. No. Dick yeah, that's... No, him. like, you yeah. want, that's, again, you'd want to get... You want to dig up Hugh Grant for that. Like... You're so right. Um, You're so right. But... Who's Muttley? Uh, I don't know. The dog from Beethoven? He's dead, bro. Well, I just want to say... He didn't go human, though. uh, That Broderick... Because I I am sort of becoming obsessed because I do totally agree with you saying that, uh, like, you know, he did hit it out of the park so hard with Ferris Bueller. And then he... There were still a few highs. Just And this is just... War Games. Ones that I know of. Yeah, War Games. He was also um, the voice of Simba, adult Simba in The Lion King. Of course, I forgot. He He was in Election, which is a really great movie. Yeah, that's a great film. As uh, Jim. And then he was in... uh, Inspector Gadget is famously one of the worst movies. But he was also... I I actually enjoyed him in The Producers. Oh, yeah. He's really good in that. Yeah. So he's still got the occasional good performance in him. Isn't it crazy that, you know, you're an actor? Like, it's it's crazy when... I mean, you say yes to work and not everything's going to be a hit, but it just doesn't seem like he has the control of whether or not he turns in a good performance or not. Oh, he's got terrible management as well. Like, you know, you have named a a couple of good films in the mix there, but he's done so many clunkers. He's good in the producers because he's such a schlub. He's just like totally playing into, oh, I feel mean saying this, but there's just a real lack of charisma for that guy on screen. And as long as we can put him in roles... Where that's the character, it's all good. But when we're supposed to be rooting for him as a family man hero, it just doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. I, I. Do you know he, he underwent training 
from a, a real life speed skater for a few months before shooting the scene in which Steve and Buddy are in a speed skating race. I'll get off the IMDb now. <laughs> what? Why? No one would notice or care, dude. I know. It's I they guess put him in like a full body suit too, which is classic move if you're going to get a stunt double. That illuminates that um, anecdote that. Uh, Jillian Vigman was saying where it's like you can imagine him say either before or after shooting the ice skating scene witnessing the chaos around him of Danny DeVito leaving set that day on his chopper mm. and Kristen Davis constantly taking Jillian away to tell her she should free, freeze her eggs you can imagine him just being like I did three months of professional ice ska- skating like I can't believe it because it's not just three months. It's like this is a year of my life and career and I invested in it this much that I went through ice skating training. Mm. Um, it is There is a sadness. There's a sadness about how bad this movie is and how poorly it performed as well. Um, I, I haven't got it in front of me, but I did look up the budget and it, it got about 95% of the way there to making it back at the box office. Yeah. Look, but, yeah, I, yeah, I mean... Could you? I did. Off the I was top in a pretty. Dome guy. Uh, sorry. Yeah, you go. I was. I, well, I was just going to say, like, what you know, for all the shit we're hanging on it, I did. Um, I guess I was in a pretty prone state of mind, and like, you know, I had to. I had to watch something, and it. I guess you know the knowledge that I was going to get to talk to you maybe softened my response to it because it's like, well, it's you know, it's a, a passageway to conversation with Tim, but I didn't hate the experience. Like, I know it's a bad movie, but. It's guess, 90 minutes. But, there's good people in it. It's yeah, not there's good anyone. people in it. And because I didn't know who was going to show up, you know, you, you're getting a few pleasant surprises. Like fucking uh, Cal Penn. Yeah, he's not even in the credits, but he's like in he the shows movie up, a bit. He shows up out of nowhere. You're just watching the movie and then it's like, uh, he works for Google Earth or whatever the company is. He shows up doing a British accent twice on like a link. And I was like, oh, you know stuff like that. It's it, it does make it fun because these movies are cultural oddities. Yes, and, yeah, um, and it's kind of the beauty of how much money is involved with Hollywood. That even these incredibly mediocre Christmas films, which are just cynical cash grabs to get people to, um, I don't know, get to the cinema with their shitty kids at the cineplex to shut them up for two hours. Um, you still, by virtue of having that much money involved, draw in comedic talent like Fred Armisen just just popping up, and you're like, "Oh, hey, buddy, yeah, you're here, I know. cool." I wonder where, and also that guy from Lost. Yeah, what was his fucking name? Um, there was an album named after him. Jorge by Weezer, Garcia. I think. Is that his is name? That who it is? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, um, the um the album name is the character's name. Oh. This is going to piss off a lot of listeners because they're going to know exactly who this dude is. Screaming! I'm He's just looking at what from Lost. What Fred Armisen was doing in, in 2006 because this, I know, but before that he was in Tenacious D's movie. He was in Juice Bigelow European Gigolo. He was in Euro Trip. He was in Anchorman. He's sort of just cobbling together a career at this point. So this makes oh. a lot of sense. Cobbling together, I'd say that's a that's a pretty good little era of um of of flex. It's not bad work. I actually, I actually, even seeing that he was in uh, Euro Trip, I immediately remembered his character in Euro Trip, who is this Italian guy who goes, 
Muscusi or something. He gets really close and then he says Muscusi. Classic stuff. Yeah, catchphrase comedy. It really got me. Um, Hey, can I I ask you a question though? Yeah, Um, yeah. Off the top of your head, can you try and name like the big set pieces in this film? I'm trying to go through and catalogue them myself. So uh, well, the, the one that really jumped out at me, and it might have been the first big set piece, is when Danny DeVito's character, as he's sort of, he's not just putting lights on so the house will be recognised from space. He's also sort of trying to stir up the pot a bit uh, uh, with, his, with Matthew Broderick, his neighbour, and he goes to a hardware store, he buys all of their lights, and then through the back room, he sees a sleigh and the the salesman shows him the sleigh. And it's like a very big sort of replica scale Santa sleigh that you could imagine being towed by eight or 12 reindeer or whatever. And he takes it, he puts it in front of his house. And then uh, everyone in the neighborhood's like amazed by it. And they're looking at it and he's, He's gaffer taped some uh, reindeer antlers onto some horses' faces. <laughs> that was a good <laughs> but, gag, actually. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And also, he's found the horses on the fringes of town, which is also yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, Matthew Brock's annoyed because his family's going to look at it when he wants to take the family Christmas photo, and then they all wander out there. And then Danny DeVito's, uh, it's either him or Kristen, his wife. I can't remember his name right Chenoweth? now. Kristen Chenoweth. It's like, oh, you should do the photo on the sleigh. And they're like, nah, I'd rather not. And then the, the Matthew Broderick's son climbs up. And uh, Matthew Broderick starts. And immediately you can see where it's going. He goes, hey, get down from there. And uh, he, he sort of goes to help his son down and winds up in this out-of-control sleigh riding through the town centre, um, towed by two horses. And some very, very dodgy CGI at the end sees him doing a series of spins on some thin ice on a lake. Yeah, before he sinks out, right? But that was the first big set piece I remember. But I, I, I think that one jumped out because he was out of control in, uh, like in a town, I guess, or like around a lot of people. Yeah, and I, uh, I was like, whoa, this seems like a bold piece of decision, man. Because I don't know if you know this, Tim, but on August five, nineteen eighty seven, in a situation where there weren't horses towing a sleigh, he was in a car. Um, and Matthew Broderick was, and he was driving it. Do you know about this? No. In Ireland. What happened? Uh, well, he was driving. Do you know what it- my favorite one was? And it's just like, it's such a testament to the fact that sometimes you can't get away from basic physical comedy. The town has this little Christmas show they put on every year. It's a little festival. And um, there's sort of carnival games that are going on. And one of them is the classic, you know, like grab a ball and knock over the, the dolls to um, or the clowns or whatever to get some prizes. And usually that shit's rigged as hell because carnies don't want you to win anything because this is how they make a living. God bless them. But with this one, it's like the rules seem very loose. <laughs> and uh, so Danny DeVito first gets up and he, he knocks one of them over, no troubles. And because they're kind of engaged in this neighbor versus neighbour pissing match. Matthew Broderick has to step up, be the big macho man and knock one over two. And he just rolls up a snowball, which, all right, sweet, with fresh snow from the ground, and then fucking blazes it, speedball, uh, puts a lot of stank on that wind-up and throws it and ends up completely decimating this old woman um, who's walking by because the, a, uh, the a re- power is good, but the accuracy is not. Yeah, she's a recurring character. She's yes. our introduction to Matthew Broderick. She's a woman with bad eyes who he helps. 
it's really weird that Matthew Broderick accidentally fully takes out someone, and I like honestly, it looks like she could have died um, by dint of his actions, which is very weird. Another one is um, the big fireworks scene. So yeah. Matthew Broderick gets so annoyed at the light and noise pollution coming from Danny DeVito's house that um, he buys a bunch of illegal fireworks and just starts fucking firing them off his roof at the other guy's house. Which is just like, all right, sweet. There's definitely going to be a fire. Like, you, you know, yeah, you see it yeah. from the moment he buys the fireworks. It's like, cool, I guess we're going to watch a house burn down in this heartwarming Christmas movie. Um, but the twist is it's Matthew Broderick's house that catches fire, which is probably as yeah. it should be. And then an enjoyable twist on top of the twist is that the next morning Danny DeVito returns and he wasn't even in the house. Yes, I, that's that, right. Because his wife, that. Because his wife has left him. With That's the right. kids, and he both, was throwing rocks at the window of the motel they were sleeping in. Both of these uh, men, Broderick and DeVito, both of their wives leave them with the children. Mm. Uh, and that's sort of what winds up uniting them, I guess. They have to put their differences aside and work as a unit to try and win back their partners. Because while the, the men don't get along, t- typical bloody men, you know, these alpha males... But the the woman immediately finds so much to bond over, and it's uh it's really inspiring. It's a real testament to the power of female <laughs> friendship. Yep, it certainly is. Um, another bit. I don't know if you describe this as a set piece, but this bit. I mean, we just we can't get through this podcast and end it without talking about this scene. So the men have been instructed by their wives to try and bury the hatchet and and get together and find some common ground. For God's sake. And we're at the festival, uh, we're at the carnival type thing, and there's a Christmas show that gets put on each year, and that's cool. And, um, oh my God, these guys, they just don't have anything in common, which is a line that Danny DeVito has to say out loud just to smash you over the head with a (laughs) novelty-sized candy (laughs) cane of plot. Um, And so what is going to unite them? Some hotties. Of course. So there are some scandally dressed young women who have dressed up like Santa's little helpers um, to seductively dance for the men. And what ensues is, even by 2006 standards, I'm going to say, fucking disgusting. These two 45-year-old married-with-kids men, wolf-whistling, cat-calling, screaming at the top of his very uncharismatic lungs, who's your daddy? To these young women who are dancing on stage. And then, get this everyone, because this is a funny punchline. It turns out it is the two men's daughters. And when they turn around, they are disgusted and run into a church and splash their eyes with holy water to atone for their terrible Oedipal sins. Yeah, it's, um, it is a real low point. And you can see the slow build. And like Matthew Broderick's, you know... Uh, character presumably that we are supposed to like you can see him building up the nerve and you know it's meant to be a bit of fun he's letting loose and they're finding something to bond over which is being lecherous creeps but you can see him building up to who's your daddy and it's just like i mean it's a very um they sort of you know they telegraphed the gag you can see it coming a mile away and it's it is a very uncomfortable and disgusting watch like the idea of Matthew Broderick as a sexual being in any respect, I think, because that's what it—that's what it forces you to confront: is that Matthew Broderick feel, is a is a like man of this unfair. is a man of this earth with desires for flesh and blood. You know, if you cut him, does he <laughs> not bleed? Christ. 
Everyone's everyone. Um, now I sound like a <laughs> an incel. Everyone deserves sex. Everyone is allowed to have sexual desire. Matthew Broderick included. Um, well, look, but he's, that he's is lusting probably... after his daughter, played by Aaliyah Eli- Shawkat. That is probably yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. What I think that, that? let's put a at least put a button on this thing. What a um, enjoyable experience talking to you guy. And honestly, what a fucking reasonably painless ninety two minutes. Um, no thanks to Matthew Broderick, but all the thanks in the world to Kristen Chenoweth and Danny yeah. DeVito, a powerful pair. That, yeah, thanks to all the supporting cast. Uh, I'm just going to quickly see if John Whitesell did anything else. He was the director. Yeah. He's also known for uh, Big Mama's House 2. A classic. Big Mama's, Like Father, Like Son. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thunderstruck, that. which is a movie with Kevin Durant, the basketball player, where he, he loses his powers and gives them to a, a kid. And also he, he arrived hey, on the that, scene with... That- did that one win an Oscar? Absolutely not. And he arrived on the scene with a movie called Calendar Girl. Anyway, I enjoyed I enjoyed talking to you, Tim, and I actually thought that movie was all right. I guess, you know, we're going to explore the holiday season through the medium of uh, borderline films. And I don't know that we're going to be seeing a lot more of Matthew Broderick. I don't know how many Christmas films he made, but um, nice to see the guy. And, mm. uh, yeah, you don't want to get on his wrong side. So I Who's that? Matthew has, Broderick? Yeah, I hope he's not Why's been that? listening. Oh, I mean, you know, it's it's fun to talk shit about people, but you don't always want them to hear about it. And also, on the morning of August 5, 1987, while driving... Oh, hey, we've I've, I've got to go, but awesome to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash T-W-I-O-A-T. I think I got those right. Um, $5 gets you in the club to hear the content. $10 gets you in the Deciders Club to navigate the ocean on which we rock. Um, you guys are the best. We love you. You are the, the wind beneath our wings that honestly allows us to keep going. So thanks very much. And we will catch you in the next, what do I call this? Patreon pal treehouse Christmas special series. Second edition. Deck the holes. Where are my clothes? I had to get your body temperature up. So I zipped this into the sleeping bag. Trust me. It works. (laughs) Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.